1: A quick survey of the book of Jude begins next on Times of Refreshing. Join us. It's only a chapter in length, very short at that, but it's a power-packed book the book of Jude. Welcome to the broadcast. This is Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from The Well, a Christian community in Livermore, California. We begin a quick survey of Jude today. We'll be there the rest of the week. Today, we take a look at the way of Cain, found here in verse 11 of the book of Jude. Make it a point to join us as we understand what Jude is trying to communicate to us. From the well, a Christian community in Livermore, California, this is Times of Refreshing, and this is Pastor Napoleon Kaufman.
2: Most theologians would say that Jude was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He was obviously the brother of James, who they would call the greater, because he was the brother of Jesus also. He was the first apostle that was martyred. James was. We're going to see here he was the brother of Jude and also one of the siblings of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wrote this epistle really to confront a lot of the false teachings that were beginning to permeate and spread throughout, you know, the known world at that time. Generally, when you come to plant true seed or minister to someone, you have to watch this. The devil will come immediately and try to Take away what you've just planted in someone's life. I remember that when I was playing ball. I would minister to somebody, one of my teammates, and as soon as I, as soon as they were right there getting ready to get saved, then somebody would come along and say, hey, Napoleon, you need to stop talking to him. I say, brother, you just trying to be a blocker, man. And I can remember the dynamic of, of, you know, good and evil. And all of us are a part of this. So it's, it's not uncommon for you to get into a situation where you're trying to minister to somebody or someone is hungry for God. And then the enemy will come and try to lead them down the wrong road, down a path of deception. Because they, the devil knows that you're hungry. He just wants you to be hungry for the wrong thing. And so it's important that we don't get discouraged. We understand it. But Jude... He had a confrontational type mentality when it came to this because it's serious. People are dying, they're going to hell, and they're being led astray because people with wrong teaching, one wrong doctrine, are leading them down the wrong path. Jude confronted this. But in the midst of this, he begins to talk about the characteristics of these individuals who are false teachers. And he says this in verse 5. He says, but I want to remind you, "...though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As, is, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example..." suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Speaking of these false teachers, he says in verse 8, likewise also these dreamers, he says they defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said... The Lord rebuke you. But these, these false teachers, speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally, like, Bruce, like brute beast. And these things, they corrupt themselves. Now watch this. He says, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished In the rebellion of Korah. And so he cites three individuals in the Bible. That were bad examples for the children of Israel. And as they encountered the nation of Israel. Or were part of the nation of Israel. He cites these individuals in the Old Testament to give us a picture of what. Of the character qualities that these people that are in rebellion from a New Testament standpoint. Are taking upon themselves. We have to be watchful. We have to be mindful. We have to constantly take heed to ourselves and be sensitive to the moving, the promptings of the Spirit of God so that we don't become like these individuals, like Cain, like Balaam, or like Korah. And so we're going to start off by talking about... About Cain. This is an interesting story and I think most of us understand this story, have, have really studied this. If you pick up your Bible and, you, and if, you re, if you started at Genesis and you've at least got the chapter 4, you know about this particular person. So let's go there and let's analyze his life so that we can glean from it so that we don't make the mistakes that, that these individuals were making. Genesis chapter 4 and we're going to start off with verse 1 on down to 9. Now, look at this. It says here in verse 1. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother, Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And also, he says, and also, uh, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected. Now that's an interesting word there. This word in the Hebrew, it is also translated, accepted. He accepted. When you look at this word in the Hebrew, it means to accept something. Okay, so it says he respected his Abel and his offering. Now, I want you to pay close attention to this because it says that God respected or accepted Abel as a person and his offering, what he was bringing. So in life, I don't want God just to accept me without accepting what I'm bringing to him as an offering. And, and vice versa, you don't want God just to accept your offering, but not accept you. So the Bible says very clearly here that he accepted or respected Abel and his offering. Look at verse 5. But he did not respect or accept Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, he says, will you not be accepted? There it is, the word accept. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now it's interesting that Jude would reference him saying that there were false teachers who possessed this kind of quality of character and who in essence were Living a lifestyle like this, which in turn um, was permeating through um, the church and spreading. And I think this is something that we have to look at if we're going to be strong followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to make sure that there's no cane in us. Amen? And that we allow God to free us from this. The first word that I want you to write down is the word self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. You know, being a Christian... It can be very, very interesting. And in some ways, it can be a daunting task if you're really going to, Because it costs you. It costs you to walk with Christ. It costs you, you know, everything that you thought you were and how good you thought you were. And this is one of the great things that I learned coming to Christ. It didn't matter how many touchdowns I scored, how many things I did in the community. God was not impressed with that. What he was looking for was Christ in me, which was the hope of glorification. Amen? And so for all of us, it's tough because self-righteousness can be something that is subtle. It could be something that is insidious, that it creeps in and it stops you from becoming everything that God wants you to be. Understand that God, that all of us should desire to please God. Listen to me, saints. All of us in this room should desire to please God. I want God to be pleased with me and I want God to be pleased with what I'm bringing to him. But this is the key. We should all desire to please God, but it must be His way. Think about what I'm saying. We should all desire to please God, but it must be His way. God shows us, clearly communicates to us what He's looking for in life. And it's our job to find out what pleases him and then give him what he wants. What happens a lot of times, we tend to want to produce or bring to God something that we think that he will value. Not realizing just because you think it's something that he will value doesn't mean that it's something that he considers a value. And so all of us have to take time to get in the Word and find out what it is that God values, and then present to Him what He values, then we see God's hand begin to move in our life. And this really, in what I would call, I think the right term is microcosm, is what we're seeing here. Look at this. It says here in verse four, it says Abel also brought. As- Abel also brought of the firstborn. Let's look, at, let's, let's look at verse, let's look at verse 3. It says, and, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the Lord, of the offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Okay, so we have two offerings being presented before the Lord, one is being respected or accepted, and one is not. It is clear that God, from what Abel offered, was something that God accepted, and he did not just accept the offering, I want to reiterate this point, but he was accepting him. Think about what I'm saying, saints. A lot of times we try to separate what we're bringing and, and us as individuals being brought. What I mean by this is you can't separate your offering from you. You can't separate your offering from you. What you're bringing to God is not just something you're bringing to Him. It, you're also bringing yourself. Think about what I'm saying. We're going to have a Bible study. Anybody want to have a Bible study today? Yeah. So what happens here is, realize you can't separate your offering from you. And so here, the Bible says that God respected or accepted him and what he brought. Okay? Now watch this. In verse 5. But he did not respect Cain and his what? Offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So now Cain, he brings something that is unacceptable to God. So he doesn't bring something that's acceptable to God. So God doesn't accept what he's bringing, and he doesn't respect or accept him. And what happens? The the next word that I want you to write down here is rejection. Because he felt the rejection from God from not receiving the offering and not receiving him, um, he began to go into this this tailspin in this moment that I think all of us have to look at. One of the things that all of us should desire to feel and know in our spirit is that I have been accepted by God. Remember, but you're going to be accepted on the basis that God has established, not on what you think God should accept from you. He experiences rejection, and then rejection opens the door to anger. And you see this a lot when you're dealing with individuals. They're always angry. They struggle with anger. They're always dealing with anger. Anger is prevalent in their lives a lot of times because the sting of rejection hasn't been lifted from them. And the only way that it can truly be lifted from them is them finding their acceptance in God, not just in what they're doing, not just what they're after. You see this a lot of times in couples, you see this a lot of times in kids. They're trying to find acceptance. But acceptance must be brought about the right way according to the standard that God has set. So he is rejected. The next thing the Bible says, he experiences anger. Next, after he experiences anger, the Bible just said that his countenance failed. That means he began to get sorrowful. And you see people struggle with this in life. Depression. A lot of times springs Or sorrow always heavy springs from a person not feeling acceptance in their life. Not realizing that true acceptance has to come from God. And people have a tendency, watch this, to get frustrated with people. It was their fault. It's their fault. It's them. And people get frustrated with people because they're not feeling accepted. But listen, people cannot give you what only God can give you. Can I have an amen? Until you find your acceptance in God, I don't care how many pats on the back you get. It's not going to work for you. I don't care how many times your wife tells you she loves you. If you haven't found your acceptance in God, you it may make you feel good for a couple of hours. But as soon as she burns your biscuits. Why do I always talk about biscuits in this church? Y'all know I love some biscuit stuff. (laughs) But saints, this is what happens. You have to find your acceptance in God first. Then everything else, you properly have relationships and you put your relationships in their proper context. He got rejected, produced anger, and then the next thing you know, he gets sorrowful, which can lead to depression, and now he goes through this tailspin. Okay, now watch how this all ties together. It says here in verse 6, God asked him a question. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? He's causing him to start thinking about why am I in this situation? Why are you angry? He says, and why has your countenance fallen? And then he says this in verse 7. If you do well. Will you not be what? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you you should rule over it. I wrote this down. If you do well, that means acceptance. And what he's basically saying is, now watch this, give me what I'm looking for. Give me, God's saying, give me what I'm looking for. Don't just give me what you want. Give me what I'm looking for. And I wrote this down, saints, as I was studying this. All work must flow through obedience to be accepted. Now watch this, and this is why the word self-righteousness comes into place all your works, all your goodness is as filthy rags unto God. Many people think that they can impress God with the works of their hands or the fruit of their hands, the works of their hands. He was a tiller of the ground and he brought him just the works of his great hands. But God wasn't just accepting his good works of his hands. What he was looking for, and this is a a type and shadow of the difference between law and grace. What he was looking for was something that that and what you're really seeing in Abel is just offering up a blood sacrifice, offering life that would produce life. And for all of us, Jesus Christ has been sent forth into the world as our great sacrifice. And we are alive in him. Understand that your acceptance doesn't come on the basis of what you do. It comes on the basis of what God has done and what he's doing through you. So that you don't get the glory for what you do. He gets the glory for what you do. Because he empowered you to do what you do. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you. (laughs) Can I have an amen? Amen. So what happens is we have to learn that the works of obedience. That's why the Bible says that faith without works is what? So what happens is God wants me to work. But he wants me to present something that comes through and by the power of Christ. Not just something that I'm conjuring up with my own hands. That's what we call self-righteousness. Is when I try to take my works that I have done on with my own will and my own desires and my own ability and my own feelings and I try to offer that to God and say, look how good I am, God. Didn't you see what I just did? I just gave some funny money to the poor and I just went out here and did some things. And then God will ask us on this day, are we doing this under his inspiration? Are we doing this in our own power and ability? And in some cases, like Jesus said, people will heal the sick, they'll preach, they'll travel to foreign lands. He never even told them to do it. You watch this. I see it all the time. People do it. I did so good! But did God ask you to do that? That is the question. I fed the poor, Lord! But was that the city that God sent you to feed the poor in? Understand that just... Because there is always a need, it doesn't mean that we lose our union with Christ and we just start doing things. We still have to be led by the Spirit of God. We still want to be led by the Spirit of God in the things we're doing. Cain gets in a situation where he, it is clear from this passage of Scripture, he knew what to do. But he didn't want to do what God was asking him to do. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. And then he brought it to before God. He says, if you do well, evidently he must have known what he needed to do to do well. He said, will you not be accepted? Saints, understand that as you're walking with God and as I'm walking with God, God wants us to have an assignment mentality. He doesn't want us to just get moved by our emotions to do things. He wants us to be led by the Spirit of God as we're doing things. So that all of our works are done as a matter of obedience, not just a matter of desire. We want to be led into situations. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. So that when God begins to move, then He gets the glory, we don't get the glory. And I'm saying to you, I'm saying this to you. Having experienced this, having done a bunch of good stuff before I knew God, but I been but in find out that, wait a minute, I was doing all that stuff not to be a blessing so much to people, but to make my own self feel good. Self-righteousness is deadly. And Cain gets into this situation where he's trying to offer God something that God's not even asking for from him. Although it might have been good. And so it says here in verse seven, he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, send lines at the door and it's desirous for you, but you shall rule over it. But this is the key. And this is really what Jude was hitting here. Verse eight. Now Cain talked with his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he did what? The Bible says he killed him. So Cain goes from a position where he's experienced rejection, anger, sorrow, refuses to respond to God's demands and doing it the way that God wanted him to do it. Then the next thing you know, jealousy and envy set in. Write it down. Jealousy and envy set in. Because this is what happens. Light makes manifest the things of darkness. This is one of the main reasons why you get around people who are just religious and they see you having a great walk with Christ and enjoying yourself and, and just having a blast. They tend to get upset at you. It doesn't take all that. Who you think you are? Better than me? You holier than thou now? Oh, there you go to church again. Because they just came from the club last night and you're not going to the club. You're trying to walk with Christ, but you're shining a light on what they're doing.
1: Well, thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. This program is the production of The Well Christian Community. And we pray today's broadcast has blessed you and has encouraged you in Christ. If it has, would you take a moment and let us know? There are several ways that you can contact us. First, by mail. The Well Christian Community. Address your envelope to 2333 Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore. The zip code is 945 945-